0: Something stirring on the inside of me that I, I believe will really help you. And I believe that will enable you to live a very fruitful life. You know, it is the will of God for us to bear much fruit. Amen. And for us to, to bear fruit for his glory. And for us to enjoy the life that he has so freely given us. Jesus said, he said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So this abundant kind of life is not only abundant in quantity, but it also is abundant in quality. And I have discovered throughout the years of ministry in my life that there are some things that I can do to position myself to be able to receive all that God has provided for me. Are you interested in not only bearing fruit, but also receiving what the Lord has provided for you? I think I'm talking to the right crowd. Amen? So open your Bibles this morning, and let's go look at Psalms 55. Psalms 55 and verse 22. The 51th, 55th Psalm, 22nd verse. Here's some very important truth for you that you can do. I guarantee it, you can do it. If you will apply your heart to do it. Cast your burden, verse 22, on the Lord, and He will... He will sustain. say it with me he will, sustain me, he will sustain me. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. There are some definite keys that we can learn to have a full, fruitful, sustained life. And so we see key number one is: cast your burden on the Lord. Everybody look up at me and do this. Let's practice this right now. All right? Cast means to throw. All right? Throw, cast your burden on who? The Lord. Cast it on the Lord. Not like the lady that prayed, Lord, carry half of my burden and I can carry the rest. That's not casting your burden on the Lord. One translation says, unload your burdens on your husband. Unload your burdens on your co-workers. No, that's not what the Bible says. It says, unload your burdens on the Lord. On the Lord, on Him. See, He can handle those. You can't. Amen? Amen. So stop trying to handle them. Amen? It's not the will of God for you to carry the weights, carry the cares, and carry the burdens of this life. The Amplified says this. Cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it. That's the opposite of holding on to it. Releasing the weight of it. Burdens cares, fretting, anxiety are very weighty. And it's not the will of God for me. And it's not the will of God for you. Jesus told us to come to Him and learn of Him. He said, I am gentle, I'm lowly in heart. He says, if you'll just come to me, you will find rest and refreshment for your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. And He says this, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light, light and easy. That's the will of God for you. Not fearful, not all queasy, not all heavy doubt, but laying aside the weights, laying aside the burdens, casting all your burdens on Him, and He will sustain you. So if you want to be sustained, go through life, light and easy, where cares, fears, and burdens are concerned. Somebody said, well, if I carry the cares, if I carry the burdens, won't the Lord sustain me? Well... He will sustain you to a degree. But really understand this. When you take the cares and you take the burdens of this life into your hands, you're keeping them out of the hands of the one that's capable of doing something about them. Come on, somebody. So in a sense, then, we are short-circuiting his sustaining power by trying to do life in our own strength, in our own ingenuity, in our own reasoning. Life was not meant to live that way. Now, if you walk by sight, there's going to be the tendency to fear. There's going to be the tendency to worry. For walking by sight will defeat us every time. You know, in ministry, there's ample opportunity to carry a heavy load. Sometimes people would wonder, well, now, Pastor Mark, aren't you heavied out over this Tremendous load that you're carrying, all of these people and this building and this facility and all of these things that take place in ministry. No, I don't say this arrogantly, but quite frankly, I'm not carrying the load of it. I've learned to cast the load. I've learned to cast the burdens of life and cast the burdens of the Lord and of the ministry over on him. He's the one that's capable of causing us to triumph. He's the one that's capable of causing us to win and causing you to triumph and causing you to win. So I'm eating well at night. I'm sleeping well at night. And I'm eating pretty good at night too. And I'm still chasing my wife around the house. Yes, I said it. I'm still chasing my wife around the house. Because I'm burden free. I'm not heavy. Some of you need to stop being so burdened out and heavied out. It's ruining your relationships. It's robbing you of joy. It's robbing you of peace. Everyone do it right now. Cast. Come on. Cast your burden on the Lord. Don't let it settle in on your shoulders. It'll break you down. It'll cause you to lose sleep. One translation says it this way. Cast your burden on the Lord and He will support you. I love that verse of Scripture. He said, I will never ever leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you without support. He said, I'll not take my hand off of you. For my grip does not slip. And that's the Thomas translation. He will not leave you without support. He's upholding all things, this whole universe, by the mighty word of his power. Another translation still says put your cares on the Lord, and he will be your support. Look at your neighbor and say, he'll be your support too. Still another translation says this turn your worries to the Lord. And He will keep you going. That's another way of saying He will sustain you. He will keep you going. There are days I know that you feel like you can't go another step further. But trust Him. Rely on Him. Rely on His strength. Rely on His goodness. He'll support you. He'll hold you up. You can make it. Through the darkest hours of your life, because the Lord loves you, the Lord is good to you, and He's on your side. He'll support you, He will keep you going. I like what Jesse Duplantis does. Brother Copeland asked him one day, he said, Jesse, how in the world do you handle all these bills that come in? You know, being on television worldwide costs millions of dollars. He says, Brother Copeland, he says, I just hold up the mail when it comes in and said, Jesus, you've got mail. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Jesus, you've got mail. I like that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He will support you. He will keep you going. You know what? You've made it this far. What's to prevent you from going all the way? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He that's begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He'll keep you going. He'll support you. He'll provide for you. I'm counting on it. I am counting on it. Now, it's essential to keep your cares on Him if you want to be sustained. Now, the word sustain... It means to keep, to nourish, to feed, to provide, to guide, to hold, and of course it means to sustain. How are you going to make it through that midnight hour? How are you going to make it to the other side? How are you going to make it through? The answer is, He will sustain me. I can just sense the excitement in the crowd when I say that. So we've got to get in faith over it. Before this little mini-series is over, you're going to have it in your mouth. You're going to have it in your heart. You're going to be declaring, His sustaining power is sustaining me. He's supporting me. He's helping me. Now, let me give you the answer before they you ask, ask you the question. The answer is, He will sustain me. How are you going to make it through? He will sustain me. Not good enough. Hey, well, sustain me. How are you going to make it through? Thank God there's sustaining power in the kingdom of God. Now, cares are going to come. You cannot prevent a bird from flying over your head, but you can sure prevent it from building a nest in your hair. You can't prevent cares from coming, but bless God, once they come, you can do something about them. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 5, notice with me in verse 7 and in verse 8. 1 Peter 5, verse 7 and in verse 8. Casting all your cares. You see, many people are so well-developed in carrying cares and carrying burdens because it was modeled for them early in life. Some of your moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas were world champion warriors. But today that can be broken. I said today that can be stopped by casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. Now notice in verse 8, would you read with me? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil... "...walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour." Do what? Resist him. Verse 9. Resist him. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, of course, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers in the world. So what does it say to do when the enemy knocks on the city of your soul with all of these weights, with all of these burdens? It doesn't say assist him. It says resist him. There's a difference between assisting him and resisting him. When you assist him, you take his thoughts in and you entertain them. When you resist him, you cast down imaginations. You take the name of Jesus and you put a stop on it. In the name of Jesus. So the next time you feel that coming your way, and we all will. You just say, no, you don't. No, you don't, devil. I resist you, and I throw those cares over on God. And when you do that, put a smile on your face. Because he's got it, and you don't. Be happy. Go eat an ice cream cone. I mean, have a banana split. Or, you know, it might be a Caesar salad. If you're on a diet. I don't know. Smell a flower. Amen. While he works on it, just enjoy life. Enjoy life. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about Jacob today for just a little while. Now, Jacob, you know, he tricked his brother Esau and he got his birthright. Esau sold it to him for a morsel of meat, did he not? And then after that was all over with, Esau got mad at him and wanted to kill him. So, you know, Jacob's mom and dad, to protect him, sent away to his kinfolk, Laban. And so he went on his way to Laban's house. And the picture I want you to see is he's a young man here. And he's out in the wilderness. And don't you know that fears and worries and concerns knocked on the door of Jacob's soul? The Bible said he just went out with a rod. He just went out with a rod. And in those days, you could go 20 miles away from your home and get devoured and killed. and Nobody would hear about it for about 20, 30, 40 years. Because the communication wasn't what, what, it, what it's like today. And so the picture is this. is Esau wants to kill him. Jacob's out there in the wilderness and some angels show up on the scene and it was very meaningful to Jacob and so he built an altar and he called that place Bethel which Bethel means a place where you meet God everyone say a place place where where you meet God when something significant would happen in some of the Old Testament saints what they would do is they would build an altar unto the Lord and this is what was happening. So look with me at Genesis 28 and verse 19 through 22. Genesis 28. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the the, the city had been previously called Luz. I like Bethel better than Luz, don't you? And then Jacob, he made a vow. Everyone say he made a vow. And this is what the vow is saying. And this is what Jacob's heart is. He's saying, God, if you will but help me. If you will be with me. And if you will just keep me. In other words, God, if you will sustain me. If you will keep me. If you will hold me, guide me, and provide for me. And give me bread to eat. And clothing to put on. So that when I go back to my father's house in peace... Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Was Jacob a tither? Was his father a tither? Was his father's father a tither? So Jacob is out there and he's praying, Lord, I need your help. I need your sustaining power. And if you will do this for me, I will serve you all the days of my life. I will put you first. I will put you foremost. You shall be my God. And don't you know that fear was knocking on the door of his life? Now, if you fast forward several years, you'll see... When Jacob became an old man. Look at Genesis chapter 48. I'm going to come down here. Is that all right? Where I can see the whites of your eyes. And so it's time now for Jacob to bless his sons. How many of you know that blessing your sons and your daughters when it's time for you to go on to be with the Lord is a holy thing? It's an awesome thing. It's It's a beautiful thing. And I want you to see the spirit of what Jacob is saying. In verse 15 of Genesis 48. And he blessed Joseph his son. And he spoke words over him. And he said God. Pausing for effect. God. Before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. Listen to this. The God who has fed me. Shandala basata. The God who's nourished me. The God who's provided for me. The God who's protected me. The God who's held me. All my life long to this very day. Oh, man. To this very day. Woo! Verse 16. And the angel who God sent to protect me, to redeem me, to sustain me from all evil was. Jacob sustained. Was Jacob provided for? Jacob's provision and sustaining power from God was directly connected to his commitment to God. He committed his all to God and God committed his all to him. Oh, come on, somebody. (laughs) Shemotaya. Then I am also okay, there is a connection between His sustaining power and your casting your burdens on the Lord. There's a connection to His sustaining power and you being faithful and you being a tither and you being a person that says, God, all that I have is yours. All that you have is mine. I will serve you all the days of my life. Hallelujah. I just had to get that out. I am concerned about people that are not in church. Not the people that are not necessarily in this church, but I'm talking worldwide, body of cross wide. All the people that are spiritual fugitives. Laying in their beds, licking their wounds. Laying in their beds, moaning and groaning and complaining and bellyaching about how bad things are. That's not the way to have his power sustain you. Come on, somebody. I love people like that, but for heaven's sake, they ought to get to Bethel. They ought to get to the place of worship. They ought to serve in the place of worship. I know I'm preaching good. Just egg me on just a little bit. So he goes on to say, bless the lads. Let my name be named upon them by the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Amen. I'm here to tell you that the same is Amen. the same God who sustained Jacob will sustain you if you will trust him and give him your all. Amen. You bet he got sustained. He did. Jacob had herds. He had flocks. He said over in Genesis 32 and verse 7, he says, when I came across the Jordan, I came with just a stick in my hand. I just had a rod. That's all I had. But I had faith in God. And all these years later, God has made me into two troops, two bands. That's because of God's sustaining power. And his sustaining power is yours. And he will do for you what he did for Jacob. He is no respecter of persons. He loves you. He cares for you. He will sustain you in your midnight hour. He will bring you through to the other side in his glory and his power. Somebody say amen. amen. So Jacob made it. And you can make it. Jacob made it. Evil was presented to Jacob. Evil will be presented to you, but God kept him. Is he still in the keeping business today? Can you make it? Does God love you? He cares about you. Somebody says, I've fallen. He's there to pick you up. He's there to lift you up. Don't you lose hope. Keep your faith in a faithful God. I believe I'm looking at a congregation here at Heart of the Bay that's going all the way to the finish line. Running your race in faith, running your race in power. And when you get to that finish line, you just stick your chest out. And you lift your hands up and say, to God be the glory. Woo, come on, are you with me in this? Are you with me today? To God be all the glory. You can make it. By his sustaining power. But number one, you got to cast your burdens on the Lord. And what I hope to teach in these next few weeks is some keys to longevity. Some keys to a sustained life. Because it is the will of God. And this morning, I want for a while to take a look, and I like to call it, Psalms 91, the Psalm of the Sustained Ones. Psalms 91, the Psalm of the Sustained Ones. Is that you? How about you over there? Is that you? How about you over there in Amen Corner? Are you the Sustained Ones? Glory to God, the Psalm of the Sustained Ones. I tell you, we could preach a while on Psalm 91 today. We could get happy about Psalms 91. Now notice with me in verse 1. Of Psalm 91, he said, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. In the secret place, it's not only secret to the any, but it's also a secret place of His presence. Under the shadow of the Almighty is literally under the shadow of El Shaddai. When you're under the shadow of the Almighty, you are in a happy place. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Happy is the people that are in such a case, living and walking in His presence. And then you've got to get your heart and your mouth engaged as verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord. Here's what we say of the Lord. The sustained ones say, He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He is my God. And in Him, I trust. Yeah. Raise your right hand to the Lord and say it with me. You are my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my God. And in you, and in you I, will I will trust. So that is our part. And in His part, surely... He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, just like a a, a little chick under his wing. Amen? Under his wing, just fuzzy little head under his wing. Not trying to work out the world's problems. Not trying to fix what's going on all over in Israel. Not trying to fix what's going on in Washington, D.C. Or in the Middle East. Yes, praying. Yes, being in faith. But just that little chick under his wing with that yellow head. Looking up to mom. Looking up to dad. Amen. Amen. Under the shadow of El Shaddai. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good, it's good. And under his wings, this is what you and I are going to do to make it to the finish line we're gonna take our refuge his truth or his word shall be our shield and buckler now I want you to notice verse 5 and I want you to read it with me because verse 5 comes as a result of you making a quality decision a quality decision is a decision of whom there is no argument of which there is no retreat. Amen? Yes. A quality decision. Here it is. Read it with me. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. Nor for. Say it with me. I shall not be. I shall not be afraid. Of the terror by night. Nor of any arrow. Or weapon. That is formed against me. When you take fear completely out of your life, you can't hurt a person like that. You just can't hurt a person like that. Over and over again in the Word of God, we see fear not, refuse to fear. Amen? Amen. Now in verse 6 it says, Nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that lays waste at noonday. He said in verse 7... A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand. But what's our answer to that? You've got it. What's our answer to those things? It will not come near me. Now that's supernatural, isn't it? Because the Lord is sustaining you. You know, if He hadn't kept you, you wouldn't be here today. I know for a fact I wouldn't be here today but think about it if he's kept you thus far what's to prevent him from keeping you all the way if he sustained you so far he'll sustain you all the way to the finish line now the proper answer to the challenges of life and tragedy does happen and we do not rejoice at tragedy our heart hurts When we see someone hurting, right? Our heart hurt when Asiana Airlines went down in San Francisco. You Remember that day? Our heart hurt for the families and for the people that lost their lives and from the people that still experience trauma today. Our heart hurts for them. We pray for them. Amen? That's the Christian thing to do. That's the godly thing to do. But you cannot let the fact that that airline went down... To keep you from flying. And the proper response will be when you see tragedy, for example, you can turn on ABC, you can turn on NBC, you can turn on CNN, you can turn on Fox, and none of them for the most part are committed to good news. <laughs> Have you noticed that? They'll never tell you how many people lived yesterday, but they'll sure enough tell you how many people died and how they died. And oftentimes in how people die, paints a picture of calamity and tragedy in the mind of the beholder. And so it's very important that we check ourselves on what we are beholding on a regular basis. Because what we behold, in fact, oftentimes is what we become. So if, if we are just continuously beholding bad times, bad things, and bad news, what it does and can do, it can build a stronghold of expectancy of those same very things happening to you. Because words paint pictures. And tragic news can paint a picture of tragedy happening to you. Now, I'm not saying turn your television off. I'm saying monitor it. And keep good news coming in a whole lot more than you hear any bad news. Come on. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Are you listening today? And so the proper response should be, that shall not happen to me. That shall not come near my dwelling. And somebody says, that's pretty cocky, pastor. No, it's not because we're smarter than other people. And it certainly isn't because we're better than other people. It's because we have light concerning God's sustaining power. And it's we have light concerning His protecting power. For us to side in with the bad news, knowing what we know, knowing of the knowledge that we have, is an insult and it's a slap in Jesus' face. After the great lengths He's done, done to redeem us and given His angels charge over us for us to side in with the bad news and say things like, well, you just never know what might happen. You know, God might be in a bad mood. Ha, ha, ha. It ain't funny, Mac. It ain't funny. There's nothing funny about it. Our response, when you hear of a jet going down, that'll never happen to us. You hear of a church splitting and some idiot taking half of the people to the other side of town. Our response is that'll never happen to us. It'll never happen to us. Well, you know about the genetics in your family. You know, genetics are a strong thing. I agree. Genetics are a strong thing, but the genetics of Jesus are stronger. And I like family tree. I love families. I believe God raised up families, but there's a tree that trumps family trees. It's the tree of Calvary. It's the one that you were redeemed on. Come on, somebody. Like one person said, you know, all their family tree ever produced was a bunch of nuts. Well, I don't know. But well, you know, Uncle Joe had this and Aunt Sally had this. And, you know, that that runs in the family. What What does that do? That builds a picture of your next. And it's not because you're smarter. It's not because you're better. But because you've got light. And once you receive light, you're responsible to walk in the light. Light is the equivalent of knowledge. It is only knowledge that is acted upon that produces results. If I get knowledge of certain things in the Word of God, but never act upon them, I might as well just never heard. Amen? Amen? But, oh friend, once you receive the light of God's Word, concerning your strength, concerning your health, concerning your protection, you had better get in the arena of faith and fight the good fight of faith. With all of your might. Because God will sustain you. Look at your neighbor and say, God God will sustain you. you. And God God will keep you. Hallelujah. Verse 8 says, only with your eyes shall ye look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge. You do that with your words. You do that with your actions. Even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. That includes West Nile virus. Come on. That means supernatural health, supernatural sustenance, supernatural protection. Long before Star Wars. There is a field of favor and a force of protection. All around you. Verse 11. For he shall give his what? Do you believe in angels? You know this room is full of them? My angels right over there. Hallelujah. If our eyes could see, we would see a room full of angels. Yeah, but what about all the demons in the world? That's right. They're in the world. They ain't here. And they that are with us are more. Come on now. More than they that be with them. He's given his angels. I mean, if we could turn this into a testimony meeting, we could hear testimony upon testimony upon testimony how the God gave his angels charge over you and kept you in all of your ways. Now, it's very interesting to me that the Bible says that the angel of the Lord encamps around about those that reverence him. Amen. Now, if we don't reverence him, then there's a door open for the enemy and the destroyer to get into our lives. And so I believe one of the keys to sustaining power is to have a reverential fear of the Lord and to honor him and to worship him. They will keep you in all your ways. Say it with me, I'm a kept man. And notice it says, in their hands they shall bear you up. Did they bear Jacob up? Jacob's an old covenant guy. You're a new covenant guy. you got a better covenant established upon better promises. In their hands they're going to bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now notice verse 13, read it with me. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample under. Where is the devil? Where is the devil? Shambach says, if you got a message for the devil, put it on the bottom of your foot. Amen. I like Shambok. Y'all, y'all ever hear IW Shambach? Woo, glory to God. He was a white preacher that sure enough sounded like a church of God in Christ, fire, hell, and brimstone black preacher. That brother could shuck some corn. I mean, R.W., he could preach. He'd go down there in Oakland, across from the Coliseum, and they'd have tent revivals and people getting saved and getting healed by the power of God. In his famous quote that he would quote all the time, he says, You don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. Ooh, glory to God. I mean, R.W. goes way, 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 way back. And he preached in the South where there was just ultimate racism. And they told him in the 60s, now you can have a tent, all right, but the white folk over here and the black folk over here. And, and, and R.W. went to the Lord and said, Lord, what about that? He said, it'll be all right. He said the first night the power of God got so strong that the saints... Dance down the rope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's what happens in Christ Jesus. There's no barriers between white and black, brown, yellow, or blue. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Sustaining power. I look at some of the generals in the faith. Those that lived for years and years and years and died in a good old age. These were men, these were women that knew how to cast their cares on God. It's not that they didn't have the opportunity, but they put their priorities where they belonged, in God. I look at the lives of people that lived long and lived strong in the earth. They feared God. I think that holiness is a virtue that needs to be recaptured in the charismatic mood. And when I talk about holiness, I'm not talking about dress. I'm not talking about the the color of your hair or whether you wear earrings or don't wear earrings. It's immaterial to God whether you wear makeup or don't wear makeup. It has nothing to do with holiness. Are you listening to me? If you want to wear makeup, wear makeup. If you don't want to wear makeup, don't wear it. It's up to you and God and your husband. I personally love my wife to wear makeup. Amen. But it's... It has nothing to do with holiness. Those old line Pentecostals, those old line Charismatics now, they had it down, man. They lived and walked in a reverential fear of the Lord. They honored God. There wasn't anything light and loose about them. They weren't legalistic, but they weren't lascivious. They weren't all legalistic and in bondage. They were free. But one thing they knew how to do is they knew how to honor the presence of the Lord. They knew how to accommodate the anointing. You see, holiness has nothing to do with outward. Holiness is an inward state of the grace and mercy of God. Holiness is Christ likeness, holiness is being like Christ. Which means being loving. Which means walking in the Spirit. I look at the old timers. The old saints. They had something that I believe that this generation needs. And that the generation under us needs. We need to fear God. Not in a bad sense. But in a reverential, holy sense. The priests... Before they would go into the Holy of Holies, they would remove their shoes and they would go in there barefoot to honor God. Let's be those people in the Bay Area that honor God. Let's be those people that fear God and reverence God. Let's be those people that cast our burdens over on the Lord. Let's be the sustained ones who are walking in joy, walking in victory, walking in the Spirit, walking in the love of God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Because He has set His love upon me. He says, I'll deliver you. He said, I'll set you on high because you have known my name. He said, when you call upon me, I'll answer you. And he said, I'm going to be with you in trouble. Anybody ever been in trouble? And the Lord was right there for you. He said, I'm going to deliver them. I'm going to honor them. Read verse 16 with me real strong. Come on. With long life. Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? If you live long like Jacob lived long and you're satisfied, that's just another way of saying that the Lord's been good to you and that the Lord has sustained you, the Lord has kept you, the Lord has provided for you. And so our part in this right now is to simply give it to God, resist the devil. Declare that He is our refuge. In closing, this picture of Jacob is His will for you. This is a picture of every child of God when they come into this world until they go home. The easy-to-read translation says, I will show you my saving power. How many of you want to, be, how many of you want to grow old and be full of days? And be full of blessing. Amen. Let's pray this prayer right now. Declare it with me. Heavenly Father. I thank you. For the word that I've heard today. In obedience to the will of God. I do. Place all my cares. All of my anxieties. All of my burdens. Into your capable hands. I refuse to carry the weight one day longer. And I am trusting you, Lord, to sustain me. I pray like Jacob prayed this morning. Lord, I pray for your help. I pray that your angels would surround me and keep me from every evil. When fear comes... I will resist fear in the name of Jesus. I'm going to make it through. I'm going all the way to the finish line. Strong and living long. Because you are my sustainer. You are my provider. You are my Lord. Well, glory to God. Did you get anything today, let's give the Lord a shout. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory.